are listening to Pep Fluff with Katie Mara, a lifestyle podcast that features various topics, current events, tips and advice, and the occasional guest that not only benefits you, but also your pet. So come and join me and take a listen as I am your host, Katie Mara. It's your girl, Katie Mara, and welcome to another episode of Pet Fluff. This, I think, is episode 17. Today, we are going to talk about the exotic pet trade, as well as what is a better hamster for an individual, a Syrian hamster or a dwarf hamster. And we have a wonderful Pet Fluff feature of the episode for you, a quite an affectionate dog. So I hope 2020 has been treating you a little bit more kindly for the holiday season. We're upcoming Thanksgiving. So I hope all of your plans haven't been completely botched. But hopefully this podcast will put a better smile on your face. (laughs) Just joking. So let's go into our first topic. Here's a scooper, where a captivating current event can spark a conversation or a feel-good story that makes your heart smile. And best of all, it's all about the animals. This article is actually courtesy of National Geographic, which reads, Endangered primates face high risk of catching COVID-19. Ooh, that's not good. But dwindling species such as a Sumatran orangutans and western lowland gorillas could more easily catch coronavirus, a new study predicts. As the coronavirus pandemic rages through the globe, much of the focus centers on the growing human death toll, which has climbed above 1 million. But experts caution that a handful of our closest living relatives in the animal kingdom are also in jeopardy from the SARS-CoV-2, which causes COVID-19. A recent and analysis of more than 400 vertebrae species, including birds, fish, amphibians, reptiles, and mammals, predicts that critically endangered primate species, such as the northern white-cheeked gibbon, the Sumatran orangutan, and the western lowland gorilla, as well as endangered chimpanzees and bonobo, are particularly vulnerable to infection due to their genetic similarities to humans. Study leader Harris Lewin set out to identify the animals that might serve as a host for the coronavirus. The ancestor of SARS-CoV-2 is thought to have emerged in a bat species native to China and may have infected more animal species before crossing over to humans. But as his research progressed, the data began to reveal that humans could be a vector spreading the disease to wild animals. The potential for COVID-like disease outbreak in either captive or wild populations of endangered primates are pretty high, says Lewin, distinguished professor of ecology and evolution at the University of California, Davis. It is particularly concerning for rare animals in captive settings similar to the eight infected lions and tigers at the Bronx Zoo in New York City. He says it's likely they would pick up the virus from their human keepers. Infected humans can also transmit the virus in parts of the world where wild animals come across in close contact with people, such as parts of Africa, Lewin cautions. 
As the basis of their study, Lewin and his team looked more closely at the evolution and structure of the protein receptor ACE2, where the coronavirus attaches and subsequently enters the human cells. They studied proteins across hundreds of vertebrae species, which allowed them to determine the relative risks of each to contracting the virus. The researchers examined the type and number of changes at 25 key positions of ACE2 receptors that are quite different from one of a human. Among the 103 species that scored very high, high or medium risk, 40% are classified as threatened on the International Union of Conservation of Nature's Red List of Threatened Species, according to the study, published recently in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. The 18 very high-risk animals are all old-world primates and great apes, yet some of the high-risk endangered species like a baiji, a freshwater dolphin, Pierre David's deer, and the narrow-ridged finless porpoise whale surprised researchers because they are distantly related to humans. The researchers warned against over-interpreting their results, noting that true risk needs to be confirmed with the experimental data and the possibility that infection may occur through a cellular pathway other than ACE2 cannot be ruled out, as there is more than one way the virus can penetrate the body, Lewin says. While several species are theoretically susceptible to catching the virus, only a handful of captive animals, domestic dogs, domestic cats, lions, tigers, and minks, have so far been infected, notes Dalen Agnew, a professor in the Department of Pathobiology and Diagnostic Investigation at Michigan State University. In the experimental settings, African green monkeys and a couple other species of monkeys caught the virus, but most demonstrated relatively mild clinical disease, according to a recent study. Similar studies have shown domestic ferrets have mild or undetectable signs of the illness, Egyptian fruit bats show no symptoms, and Syrian hamsters experience mild to moderate disease. Even though the virus does not appear to be as lethal to animals as it is to humans, a research associate at the Conservation Biology Institute points out that the mink can die of a result of contracting SARS-CoV-2. As it stands, he says that there simply isn't enough information available to fully understand why the virus can lead to increased mortality in some species compared to others. Buddy, the first dog confirmed with coronavirus, died a few months after his diagnosis, though the exact cause is still unknown. There is no evidence that the coronavirus is currently spreading to or within populations of the wild animals. Still, some say that we probably aren't aware of all infections similar to the way plenty of human cases have likely gone undetected throughout the pandemic. It is difficult to determine the extent to which the virus is actually spreading to animals, says Andrew Bowen, an associate professor of the Department of Veterinary Preventative Medicine at Ohio State University. It's certainly something to keep an eye on, he says, especially vulnerable populations or those at the human animal interface. Not only are our closest animal kin more susceptible due to genetics like us, their highly social behavior also puts them in peril. 
One animal of concern is Africa's eastern gorilla, which fewer than 5,000 still remain, divided into small populations and subspecies, including the well-known mountain gorilla. If these great apes, which live in close-knit family groups, became infected and died at similar rates to humans, it can further endanger the animals. Because of the ramifications, Lewin says precautionary measures are the key. In settings such as national parks, staff should be regularly tested because any contact could lead to the beginning of a pandemic in an old world primate species. It is also crucial that zoos continue to carry out their robust management plans to prevent the spread from caretakers to animals. Maybe we were lucky that the virus spilled over into tigers, says Lewin, because if it had spilled over into primates, the results might have been quite different and possibly devastating to the old world primates in captivity at the Bronx Zoo. That is really something to think about. I actually did not think about primates when it comes to the coronavirus. So that was a very interesting article. Now we're going to get into our next segment. All the fluff where discussions happen and information is absorbed to help aid you and your pet. Millions of animals have been taken from their natural habitats to be traded into the black market for personal use across the globe. While these animals are beautiful from afar, there is no place for these animals in domestic environments. What is considered an exotic pet? It doesn't have an exact definition. An animal outside of a usual cat or dog or any other domestic pet could be considered a exotic animal. Some trading is legal, but many of these animals are captured illegally from the wild. Prohibited sales and trades contributes to the multi-billion dollar black market. Some might ask, what is the purpose of even having an exotic pet? Over time, animals have been used to breed in captivity to save the species from poachers, intentionally labeled as captive breeds to be legally exported exported domestically and internationally, and even smuggled into other countries. But the purpose of keeping these animals almost seemed trivial. Most of the time, it's for a novelty aspect, whether it's to gain profit, to just catch a glimpse, cuddle with a cub, or just for a like on social media. None of that matters when the well-being of the animal has been jeopardized. When these animals are being transported, they are plucked out of their habitat, according to PETA. The few laws and penalties that do exist hardly dissuade dealers in the light of money that can be made from smuggling. Prices on animals' heads range from tens of thousands of dollars for a, example, macaw, to a few bucks for a giant cockroach. When trappers take animals away from their natural habitats, the animals often change hands several times through intermediaries and exporters, and they endure grueling transport conditions. Parrots might have their beaks and feet taped and to be stuffed into plastic tubes that can be easily hidden in luggage. And stolen birds and reptile eggs are concealed in special vests so that couriers can bypass x-ray machines at airports. Baby turtles have been taped so that they are trapped inside their shells and shoved by the dozens of tube socks and infant pythons have been shipped in CD cases. In one case, a man who was arrested at the Los Angeles airport had an Asian leopard cat in the backpack, birds of paradise in additional luggage, and a pygmy monkey in his underwear. 
in his underwear. That's so fucking weird. Their chances of survival? Well, these animals have a mortality rate of about 80 or 90%. That's really fucking high. Exotic animals can suffer further at the hands of dealers who sell to pet stores and zoos. PIA's undercover investigation of the U.S. Global's exotics resulted in a raid of a dealer in Arlington, Texas warehouse and the seizure of more than 27,000 animals who have been subjected to crowded living conditions, poor ventilation, and lack of food and water, and just basic care. More than 400 iguanas, half whom died, had been left in shipping crates for about two weeks without food or water because of a canceled order. Hundreds of dead animals were discovered during the raid, and more than 6,000 have died afterward because they were too ill to be saved. And under the care of these transporters and caretakers, we put that in quotes, they do not have much knowledge on the species and the needs of each animal, which is how they suffer in the process. And due to the caretaker's negligence, animals who survive long enough to be sold are often subjected to inadequate care because the caretakers are unprepared or unable to provide the needs of the animals who are so far removed from their natural habitats. Many exotic animals will likely die or be abandoned by these caretakers. For example, South Africa's Western Cape Environmental Crime Investigation Unit estimates that 90% of ex exported reptiles die within a year. Hedgehogs who roll themselves into tight balls can easily become injured if children try to uncurl them or if cats attack them. Sugar gliders are very social creatures, and if they are not given enough attention, they may mutilate themselves or die from the stress of loneliness. Oh, that's just so terrible. And because of the shadiness of these tactics of shipping animals to and from these locations, many zoos do not accept donations where there are literally thousands of exotic animals who remain in unsuitable living conditions. And some people sneak animals into exhibits and risk infecting zoo populations with diseases or leave animals in front of zoo gates, much like a child left at a firehouse. These animals are usually euthanized. In most cases, they can't find appropriate places for animals, so they're being dumped on many zoos. If people would stop buying animals illegally, it would save a lot of misery for a lot of animals. The other issue is that many people don't want these animals and set them loose or abandon them along rural roads. Without appropriate habitats or rehabilitation, many of these animals will starve or fall to victim to the elements or other predators. Those that do survive may overpopulate and wreak havoc on the ecosystem, killing native species. For example, Burmese pythons kept as pets have escaped and have been released into the Everglades, where they have since flourished in the wild and have threatened endangered birds and native snakes. The CDC handles the importation of animals, specifically cats, dogs, turtles, birds, bats, civets, African rodents, and non-human primates that may pose disease threats to humans. 
humans. There are all kinds of exotic species that may be unknown vectors of human disease. 75% of all new infectious diseases originate from non-human animals. Most non-traditional pets pose as a risk to the health of young children and their acquisition and ownership should be discouraged in households with young children. Human contact with reptiles and other exotic animals accounts for 74,000 cases of salmonella each year. And a study in the Archives of Disease in Childhood reports that children infected with salmonella from contact with reptiles were more likely to develop serious bacterial diseases than children who contracted salmonella from other sources. The monkeypox outbreak affected dozens of people in the Midwest in 2003, and it was traced back to a Gambian rat from Africa. The animal had been housed with prairie dogs in an Illinois animal dealer shed. Also in the 1970s, an outbreak of an exotic Newcastle disease called END, which resulted in the deaths of 12 million birds in the U.S., and it was traced back to parrots being smuggled from South America. The Convention of the International Trade of Endangered Species of Wild Fauna and Flora is an international agreement signed by 183 governments, and they have voted to ban or limit trade in many animal species sought after as pets. Many countries have also prohibited domestic sales or possession of certain animals. In the U.S., laws regulating the ownership of exotic pets vary from state to state. In addition, nonprofits around the world have been trying to shut down the exotic pet trade by educating people about the harms of owning these animals. Research conducted by the World Animal Protection, a UK-based nonprofit found in the best way to deter people from owning an exotic animal is to emphasize the risk they pose to humans, not the animals themselves. And this brings me to the point of all the people that we saw in Tiger King. I don't want to get too political, but, you know, it is these quote unquote zoos and we don't know where these tigers and lions and big cats are coming from. So a lot of them are being bred in captivity and just being sold or traded amongst one another. As you can see through the documentary that many of those big cats were being mistreated to the point that they get shot and killed. So is it worth it to get a selfie shot with a cute tiger cub? Maybe, but what are they going to do with the tiger cub once it grows into a full-grown tiger? They're just going to get rid of it. And so the best way they know how is just to kill it. And is it any type of life for an animal to live that way just for a selfie that was taken one time? It's just ridiculous. So I wanted to bring this up because it is a big deal. It has been glorified. And I think that there should be more done about making sure that these species not only stay where they need to stay, but also, again, when people can't take care of these animals, they release them into the wild and it causes major disruption of our local ecosystem and it becomes invasive and then other species die and it becomes an imbalance. This is why in the past several years in the U.S. you saw an influx of mosquitoes, specifically the Asian tiger mosquito, which I think came from China, if I'm not mistaken, and it brought over all sorts of diseases. And I'm not sure, even sure how it got over here, but I'm just using that as an example to prove that a species, a foreign species that is in an ecosystem that is not their own has flooded the gates and has caused infectious diseases in this area and 
has taken over and we have way more mosquitoes than we ever had when I was a kid. And it's because of these Asian tiger mosquitoes that cause maybe coronavirus. I don't know. They definitely cause SARS. Let's just keep the animals where they are. If you want to visit them, go to a zoo. They've been more educated of providing a proper habitat for these animals. Maybe a reserve would be better. Save that money, take a trip to Africa and see them in their natural habitat because that's where they're going to be most happy. I hope this was educational for you. And now we're going to go on to our next segment. It's Q&A time. Solve all your animal problems here. No matter how pressing or silly your question is, don't worry, I got you covered. Now, it's time to get into the nitty gritty. Carrie G from the UK, that's awesome, I have a UK listener, writes, my daughter is interested in purchasing a couple of hamsters. We see that there is a couple of types in the pet store, mainly dwarf hamsters and Syrian hamsters. One looks smaller than the other, and I wanted to pick that one, but I'm not sure which is the proper fit for my daughter. She is six years old, and I want to teach her the best way to care for a pet. What do you suggest? The two hamsters that I know are dwarfs and Syrian hamsters. You know, it all depends on what you're looking for. So dwarfs are much smaller, hence the name. And they can grow to be about three to four inches long, and they need a minimum space of 360 square inches of space. Dwarfs, in some cases, can cost less, and they take a long time to be tamed. And when they're tamed, they are very loyal, but they are much faster as far as running than Syrians, and they tend to be more active. And they can be paired with other dwarfs in some cases, but you have to be cautious. And they do come in a smaller variety of colors and patterns, but they are better for more experienced owners. Now, the Syrians are a larger species. They are about five to seven inches long. They need a habitat that is larger than the minimum. They can be a little more expensive, and they are very easily tamed. They are easily to handle and they tend to be slower. They also tend to be less active and they should never, never be paired with other hamsters. They come in more variety of colors and patterns and they are better for beginners. So there you have it. I mean, it depends on your expertise with hamsters. It seems like you've never had hamsters before. So I would suggest to go with the Syrians. But if you wanted something a little bit more active, then you can go with the dwarfs. But just remember, it's probably best that the hamsters, you get a solo hamster because it doesn't seem like hamsters get along with each other. So I hope Carrie G, this helps with your decision and good luck. It's great that you want to teach your daughter some responsibility other than herself. So if you have a question for me, you can email me at petfluffpodcast at gmail.com. Now it's my favorite segment of the episode. Well, it's time for my favorite segment, which is the feature pet of the episode. This is where I showcase a local DMV pet that is in need of a forever home. So let me help you find your forever pet. Today's pet 
Pet Flip Future is brought to you by Homer Trails. It is a Virginia nonprofit organization dedicated to the rescue and rehoming of adoptable dogs and cats. Founded in 2001, Homer Trails has rescued more than 24,000 dogs and cats and is the 10th largest shelter in Virginia. It pulls from rural shelters throughout the state as well as surrounding states to assist adoption. They also run a program in Puerto Rico bringing adoptable puppies and dogs to the mainland for adoption. To date, more than 600 Puerto Rican dogs have found homes in the DMV. Please make reservations ahead of time when requesting to visit a potential adoption. They are allowing potential adoptions at their facility in Fairfax. Check out homewardtrails.org for more information and please wear your mask. Homeward Trails is also running a charity called Hashtag Giving Tuesday. Like so many other organizations, this year has been hard for Homeward Trails as they've struggled with a decrease in their revenue from the loss of many events that could not be held because of COVID-19. Their puppy party program, which has been loved for so many reasons, is on indefinite hold and will not bring back the expected $40,000 this year. The kids' camp could not be held, resulting in a $12,000 loss, and they've had to cancel Chili Bingo, which is another $12,000 loss. And last month, they got the expected but devastating news that the 2020 CAPS K-9 calendar will not be happening this year, and meaning that is a $120,000 loss in revenue come to March 2021. They do not know how or where they're going to make up this money, and almost $200,000 is needed to save lives, but they are committed to finishing 2020 in the best shape possible and starting 2021 not having to leave any animal behind because of any sort of underfunding. This is a tall order and they need your support to help them achieve it. Last year on Giving Tuesday, they raised $52,493.44. That amount equals their ability to help approximately 420 animals, which includes basic vaccine tests, and spray and neuter for half of them. Imagine what it means if they could leave 420 animals behind in 2021. Their intake of animals is much higher than last year, including a much higher number of sick animals. They've had dogs and cats needing dentals, but without them, they can face many years of pain and infection and possible death. Homer Trails is a no-kill shelter, so they don't like to leave any animal left behind. And with the influx of ill animals, it's been causing other shelters to ramp up their euthanasia. It's been a tough year for everyone. On the bright side, they've saved more lives than ever, but with a $200,000 death deficit in the revenue, they are facing a huge challenge. A donation of any amount would help. So please mark Tuesday, December 1st on your calendar, or why wait and donate now? Share your reasons for supporting Homer Trails and their cause. They cannot do what they do without you. Animals have given us so much, and they have given so many of us hope and the love we needed this year to keep going. Join them in pledging to make 2021 equally life-saving. With your support, they know we all can do this together. So if you are interested in Homer Trails and you're interested in donating, check out their link at homertrails.org. So today we are featuring Sally. 
She is a loving and affectionate dog. Meet Sally. She is a 35-pound, five-year-old Corgi Shepherd mix. She lived in a home for most of her life, but started to develop anxiety and resource guarding and was sadly surrendered. She needs an adult home only, preferably in a quiet, low-traffic area with humans that will work with her to help ease her anxiety. She would do best as an only dog. Sally is also a part of the GoFetch program. Her adoption fee is waived and she comes with free bonus items when adopted. To learn more about Sally, you can check out our Linktree account on our IG page at CRC Pet Service. So if you're looking for a challenge for a wonderful dog and looking for a wonderful companion and have experience with dogs, especially with anxiety, Sally would be a wonderful option for you. And she's beautiful. I see her right now. And she is looking for a loving home. All right, guys, it's time for me to get the fuck out of here. This podcast, I think, has been longer than my average podcast, so I appreciate you hanging in there with me. I wanted to give all the information I could and maybe make up for all the shorter podcasts that I had <laughs> previously. Are you looking for pet sitting service in the Northern Virginia area, primarily in Falls Church, Arlington, Tysons, and McLean? Check out CRC Pet Service for all of your pet sitting needs. We provide boarding, overnight care, pet sitting, dog walking, cat sitting, taxi service, and even baths. If you are interested and live in the area, check out www.crcpetservice for more information. Are you guys enjoying this podcast? And if so, you can follow me at CRC Pet Service for all of your podcasting information and needs, as well as you can see what we do during the day which is our pet sitting stuff. So it's commingled all together. So you can see some awesome clients that we take care of as well as updates on podcasting information. So you can follow us on IG at CRC Pet Service or on Twitter at Pet Fluff Podcast. And if you have any questions for me or you just want to say hi, you can always email me at petfluffpodcast at gmail.com. Our next episode that's coming out in two weeks is going to be a fun one because my husband Herbert is going to be on the podcast and we are going to actually talk about the topic that we were trying to do several episodes ago which is can pets understand what we're saying and we got some new podcasting equipment so we should sound better and I think it would be awesome I want to have more dynamic with other people so I hope this will be awesome and I think it's a great topic to talk about And I don't have a question for now, but maybe I can find one if someone wants to write in and we can take it from there. I hope everyone has a wonderful Thanksgiving. I know 2020 has been rough and I know plans have been ruined for Thanksgiving, but try to make the best of it. Christmas is right around the corner. Then 2020 will be over. Hopefully a new vaccine will come out soon. I feel like everything is about to turn a corner the new year so let's get through it and let's stay positive and in case anyone hasn't told you today you matter you are loved you are worthy and you are magical bye happy thanksgiving